0: true story no one was near enough to hear it none of the passengers knew what happened but on February the 15th 1947 a flight bound for Cueto in Ecuador crashed into a 14,000 foot mountain not far from Bogotá in Colombia it just dropped in a flaming ball There was a young man, his name was Glenn Chambers. He was one of the victims. He was from New York. He had gone to be a missionary. His dream was to be a missionary, and he was going out with the voice of the Andes. When suddenly that dream became an utter nightmare. Just before he was leaving Miami for the flight earlier that day he wrote a note to his mum not having any paper he found some scrap of paper on the floor of the airport it was an advert the only word on the back of this advert was why between the posting of he wrote on the back a message to his mum telling how, how much he was really looking forward to going to serve the Lord and this was his life's dream and, she, and he was so glad that she supported it and understood it and, and you know They would be thousands of miles apart. But between the posting of that letter and the delivery of that letter, he'd been killed. His mum opened that letter and the word she saw was, Why? Why? Probably the most haunting, most tormenting question anybody can ask. Why is this happening? Why is this happening to me? Why is it happening now? Why? What is it I've done to deserve all this? Why? She was able to read the note on the other side that just told of Glenn's desire to serve God and how God had called him and how thankful he was his family was supporting him and believed in him and they'd had, they had faith in Jesus as well. But it doesn't stop you asking why, does it? And it's only when you begin to see the who that's behind everything that actually even the noise of a crash can be muffled in your understanding. And I know people here in this congregation who are actually asking that same question about what is going on in their lives. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Why did she do this? Why did he leave me there? Why am I like that? People who have been looking to get married who haven't. People whose family has broken apart. People who have wanted to conceive but can't. All sorts of things. Tragic accidents. Illness and sickness. Perversion on someone else's Part And you'll say, why? Well, as I said, I think that we can look at the life of Joseph. And as I say again, thanks to Margaret, she made me look at this again this week. And as I looked at Joseph, I thought there's something there of a man whose dreams fell to a million pieces. And there's something in that passage that might just be able to help us when our hopes and dreams begin to fall apart as well. Because when we begin to see the who that is behind the circumstances, then we might just be able to trust, even if we still don't understand. I spent time this week with someone who has been abused. And they've come to faith and they say, why? Why, why, why? I haven't got an answer. I look at the situations that I've been through in my own life and I'm asking why. It's not all roses for any of us, is it? If we went round here, every single person will have a tale to tell of where their hopes and dreams got shattered. May not be as dramatic as someone's son dying in a plane crash. Maybe not as dramatic as Joseph waiting to get married to find out his wife is pregnant. But we've all been there. So let's look at this well-known Christmas passage and learn a few things that will help us in those situations. When a dream becomes a nightmare. And I want to say a few things, four, four main points I want to share this morning, four phases in this story. And The first one is to look at it and say, Well, for Joseph, it was a time of excitement, time of expectation, and it was also a time of embarrassment. We read it there. It's on the screen. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His Mary mother was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Mary and Joseph were betrothed to each other. This was the ancient hebrew engagement period and it was as binding as marriages that's the way they worked you were you were betrothed that was it it was a done deal so to speak they were looking forward they were excited about their future together i know some of you excited about the future some of you wanting to get married the Bible tells us before this took place, before they came together, before they were physically and sexually intimate, these circumstances happened. You see, sex belongs to marriage. And although this is the central point of what I want to say today, it is something that actually we need to keep pure and holy. We need to keep it special for when you get into that relationship. Now, majority of the world are not still virgins in that sense when they get married. And My advice is that you seek to live a pure life now so that you don't. Didn't we pray before, didn't we? We die to some things. We don't hold on to that. We want to go into the newness of life so that actually we take it and we hold on to it in a pure and special way. God wants that for us. That's another topic to be discussed in detail, I'm sure, but Mary and Joseph hadn't had a sexual relationship. And as the days went on, they're counting down the days when they were looking forward to living together, looking forward to sleeping together, as husband and wife. This was a time when, you know, everyone who got married was a virgin. Well, we hoped there were some that weren't. But it was during this time that Joseph discovered that his bride to be was pregnant. And he knew it wasn't him. It would be a source of great embarrassment to him and to Mary and to both of their families. It seemed as though Joseph's dream of his future had suddenly been shattered. By this devastating news, and we know what like, 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 you know, our lives can be like that. We make our plans and we have our dreams, and something takes place, and uh, and they suddenly get all. So someone pulled the rug under our feet, isn't it? It all falls apart. I had been hoping. However, like Joseph, we're often blind to the fact that actually God is at work behind the scenes. And it may be hard to understand, but he's still at work today in the way that he works, even in the midst of our messy circumstances. And that's a word I love to use at Christmas, messy. Right? The stable was a messy place. I don't imagine, I've just got some Christmas cards, I won't open them, but I imagine one or two of them will have an nativity scene on them. And every single one of them they will look clean and pristine. (laughs) Have you been to a farm? It stinks. You come away with it all over you, don't you? I don't know about giving birth there. I mean, maybe for the animals, they're used to it, but not for us as human beings. (coughs) Christmas is messy. Easter is messy. If you go to a church where there's a cross and Jesus is on it, he's all kind of, he looks like it, so he's just kind of slightly waning across and, oh, I feel sorry for me, I feel sorry for you. you know. Actually, it was agonising, it was cruel, it was wicked, it was a mess. God came down to a mess and got his hands dirty and lived the life in that dirty place called the earth so that it can be restored and renewed. And we can have that life. And we need to take, leave all the muck behind and go into newness of life clean and pure and live that way. All of us, I've been a Christian for years and I'm constantly finding things that I kind of think, I've got to let that go, I've got to die to that in order to live for God. And the Bible's clear on this matter. God works... His will in our lives in ways that we cannot comprehend. In Isaiah, if you go to the next slide, you'll hopefully, I think, and put this one up there. You know, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways, declares the Lord. As heaven uh, as... Uh, oh, I can't read it, actually. <laughs> as, my eyes. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts are higher than yours. Must make it bigger next time I don't read it. <laughs> God works in ways that we can't imagine. We referred to Job earlier on. It was God working in a way we can't imagine. Paul would say it, wouldn't he? I am convinced. I believe. God works all things together for good to those that believe, to those that trust in him, to those that are called according to his purpose. God will work things out. And we may not like it when, in a way, we look at it and we think, God has shattered my hopes and dreams. But when everything is said and done, we can see he might have a plan that is bigger and better than anything we can see. And so the second phase in this Christmas story is that during this time, Joseph reveals a number of things about himself. He reveals his character in the middle of this difficult situation his true self comes to the surface we're told that he was a righteous man in other words he he walked simply uh, by faith you know blameless as far as the law was concerned he was a man of faith he was a man of God before all these events came back, but when they did happen what is, was in his heart came to the surface And the times when life goes wrong from our perspective is that is when we see what we're truly like. When everything falls apart, what we see is what we're truly like. How we live, how we respond, how we react. We're going to learn some of those things from Joseph here. We also see revealed were his choices. boils down to, he has about three choices, I think. One, he can publicly humiliate Mary because of her perceived immor- immorality. You know, that could even lead to her death. It says in Deuteronomy that she could have been stoned for what was happening here, getting pregnant before she was married. Secondly, his check and choice, we could just divorce her quietly, just walk away from her, leaving her to raise the child in shame and poverty. Or thirdly, he could marry her and raise the child as if it was his own, and that was not an option that many Jewish men at the time would go for. In fact, none of them were very pleasing or appealing to him, but in a way he had to choose one. And often life presents itself to us like that, doesn't it? Where we have choices where we'd rather not make any of them, but you have to do one of them. And for us, what we need to do in that place is we need to stop and be still. We've been singing about the stillness there. Be still and listen to God. We need to know what God is telling us in those situations. So his character's revealed and his choices were revealed, but then his compassion is revealed because actually Joseph's decision is to react towards Mary with deep compassion. It was not an easy decision to reach, but it was the one that actually is in the best interests of Mary. Instead of making a public example of her, and perhaps leading even to her death, Joseph decides to deal with her quietly. And even though he is sure that she's probably been unfaithful to him, because remember, this, this is before the angels turned up, She's thinking, he's thinking all this through. I mean, what on earth's happening? What's going on? He's sure she must have been unfaithful. He still loves her. He still wants the best for her. He still wants to do the right thing by her. That says a lot about Joseph. As I've already said, we respond. The way we respond to a crisis reveals the true self, and where we are truly in our walk with God as well. In fact, Joseph wants the best for her. If we can learn anything from what Joseph does is that we should never let the hurt that other people inflict on us, because that's how we must have seen it. Mary's hurt me. We never let the, the hurt that other people inflict on us to cause us to respond by wanting to hurt someone back. Joseph doesn't do that. In fact, Jesus, when he grows up, will go even further, won't he? And say, I want you to forgive even your enemies. And Paul would say, as a command in the Spirit, he says, forgive even as you've been forgiven. And so we're learning a lot about Joseph, just in these tiny little verses here. Here is this expectation, here's the excitement, and then it's smashed, and there is embarrassment, but... There's choices to be made and the character and the cam- passion of Joseph comes out. We see what he's truly like. But then God steps in. And God declares a number of things. And I find it interesting that God didn't step in earlier. God let Joseph work through all his reasoning first of all, didn't he? after he had kind of reached his own decision. God lets us reach the end of ourselves. And then he gives us some divine insight to what we're facing. This is what he does with Joseph. In a sense, the angel turns up and he says, this child is a God-given child. God sent the angel and <clears throat> told him the origin was from God in the, that Mary was carrying. He's made to understand that his dream that had turned to a nightmare was actually something miraculous that God was doing. Now from our vantage point, when we look at life, we don't ever see that sort of thing. I was sharing with people on Friday night, you know, that image. Sometimes our, from our vantage, we look at life between, you know, please go back. We're not on to number three yet, thank you. Um, oh yes we are, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> another mistake I've made (laughs) doesn't say three of mine that's a problem you know um, but we look at life through we so there's two really tall buildings can you imagine two skyscrapers? and there's the carnival you've heard me do this illustration before we're watching the carnival come around we're stuck between the buildings all we can see is the bit that's processing in front of us right now we have a vague memory of what we've just seen but it's gone and we don't know what's coming around the corner yet because we haven't seen it and we don't know what's going to come. And that's the way we look at life. All we can see is what's happening here. And what's happening in the future we can't see yet. We just have to wait for it to get there. Now if we could climb to the top of the building and look out over the balcony so to speak you could look down on the, on the carnival and you could see the end and the middle and the beginning or the beginning and the middle of the end you know and there will be no surprises because you could see it all at the same time. But we can't. We can only see what is happening now. But God's perspective is that he can see the beginning, the middle and the end all at the same time. There are no surprises for him. So what surprises us and what shocks us and what makes us want to shake our fists sometime and cry out in, with tears of anguish? Why? Why? It's because we don't know what's around the corner and we've even forgotten most of what's already gone before. That's the perspective. But God sits above it all. And in this situation for Joseph, when he's, Joseph is seeing, she's just pregnant. She, she's supposed to be my pr- pr- promised one. Why? Why? <coughs> and then God lets him see. This child is a God-given child. The best thing we can learn is to trust God to bring the best into our lives. And even when our dreams are shattered and our hopes are dashed, we need to be able to trust the truth that our Father God is still in control and He will take care of His children. I want to tell you something this morning if you are a Christian however strong or however weak your faith is you are a child of God you just listen to that you say it with me I am a child of God and you can't see what's to come And you've forgotten most of what is already happening. You can only see what's now. And maybe for some of you, now is really hunky-dory. But there's a lot of you that life is kind of a mess. And it's falling apart. But you are a child of God. And God will not love you any more or any less than he does right now. And he cares for you. You know... I was reading this week, I was just oh, it moved me to tears because I was thinking what I was preaching on and I was reading about when Jesus met Mary and Martha it? when Lazarus had died. And they were saying, why? If only. Shortest verse in the whole Bible, isn't it? Jesus wept. And I tell you, whatever you're going through, he cares for you. He can feel what you're feeling. If no one else understands, you can't even put it in words for someone else to understand, he does. He knows. Because he knows you inside out. He cares for you. He knew Joseph, and he sent an angel and said, this child is a God-given child. Secondly, he says, This child is a God given Saviour. He's given details. Joseph is given details of a miracle that much of the world has still to grasp. God entered the world through the womb of a virgin. And Joseph is told that Mary will have a son, and this son will be called Jesus. Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. God saves. No ordinary baby. The fact is that he's the Son of God who came in flesh. And his life will reflect this because it's his responsibility to bring salvation to the whole world, to those who are lost. And he'll accomplish it through his life and through his death on the cross and through his resurrection and through his ascension. Now Joseph doesn't know all the details. We know that because we've seen it happen. We're behind the scenes, so to speak. Some of that's history. But Josephs have just given this insight. This is a divine, this is a God-given provision. Will you trust me? I don't know how I would have felt if in the, in the months before our marriage to Julia... You know, we, we didn't have mobiles in those days. you remember those days? Remember <laughs> we used to get phone cards? Who can remember the phone card? When I was, a, I was a, a young guy in London. We would get a phone card. Julia lived in Oxford and I lived in central London. We would phone each other once a week. Half an hour a week, that's all we had. We'd see each other once a fortnight. You know? <laughs> I'm surprised we even got married. <laughs> And what was I going to say with this phone card? <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just that you just get a glimpse of it. How, how surprising it would be, how shocking it would be if Julia turned around and said, Oh, by the way, I need to tell you I'm pregnant. I oh, know it's not me. <laughs> I don't know how I would have reacted. I'd probably kind of distance myself and think, oh, You give yourself away to someone else, I want you for myself. That's what we were building up to, isn't it? Joseph, he's compassionate. He's going to deal with this. And then God steps in as a God-given child. As a God-given saviour. And it's in a way that this saviour is the one who's going to be with you. And God is letting Joseph know, I'm with you even in this middle of your mess. How did David put it? Even though you walk through the shadow of the valley, the valley of the shadow of death, fear no evil, I'm with you. Jesus said, I am with you always. How did Paul put it? Whatever you face, whatever I'm facing, he says, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. You know, do we really do we read those words and we kind of Say them as cliches, or do we actually hold on to it and say, Lord, I can't see what is going on? It looks awful. My life is a mess. And it may not be my fault, it may not be your fault. It's just the circumstances are happening that have smashed all the ideas of what you thought was going to happen. And God says, Will you trust me? I can see what's coming around the corner. The third thing that God declares, this is the God-given promise. Joseph has seen that the child is none but the deliverer that the whole world has been waiting for. And last year, or sorry, the, earlier this year, we went through the whole scripture and we see how this fulfillment of the promise, this child that will be born is the, prof, the fulfillment of all those prophetic promises. This is the one that you've been looking for. God in the flesh And we need to learn to trust God. And the last phase in this little story, this incident of that Christmas, that first Christmas, is we see Joseph's reactions. As soon as Joseph understands what is happening, he acts in faith. And he takes Mary into his heart and into his home as his wife A response of pure faith. He doesn't know how things will work out, but he knows that God is going to help them work out. His decision may have shocked the whole of the community, his families. Everyone probably assumed that it was Mary and Joseph who couldn't wait to have sex. They couldn't wait. I don't know if Joseph tried to tell anyone, no, it's not mine. It's the Saviour, it's God. See, truth, faith doesn't shrink away from what God is telling you and other people don't understand. We see Joseph's restraint, even when he takes Mary into his home, he still restrains himself, you know, uh, from having sexual relationships until Jesus is born. He let go of his own rights as a husband in order to let this promise be fulfilled. This virgin will give birth. I need to conclude. I know it I just want us to kind of think, you know, will you, will you trust God when you can't see the way forward? I know it's a big lesson I've had to learn. Can I ask you if you had a dream, any of you have a dream, and it's turned into a nightmare? You thought that marriage was going to be wonderful? And it's turned out with hammer and tongs. (laughs) You thought that child was going to be such a blessing. And now the strain is there for everyone to see, maybe. You thought that love was going to last forever. And yet someone decided they preferred someone else. You're looking forward to that job, and it turned out to be hell. <laughs> looking forward to that holiday, looking forward to the conceiving and having a child, and it just hasn't happened. We could go on, I could list over and over and over, and there are people here, you've had, that, had some of those dreams, some of those hopes, some of those expectations, and it's not worked out. Will you trust God? With what you can't see. Some people try and fix it themselves, but that won't work. You will only find that you make it worse. Other people try and just quit on life. I've met people like that. They just, I'm not going to bother anymore with anything. That doesn't work either. Because whether you participate or not, or not, life goes on and there's still consequences. Still others just become angry with God or angry with someone else. And you decide to take it out on them and you want to hurt them. And again, that's no good because actually at the end of the day, the only person you're going to hurt is yourself. Or are you the one who is able to take the pieces of your broken life and actually lay them at the feet of Jesus and just put your hands up. You see, this? that's one of the things, isn't it? We all know what that means. I surrender. Why do we do that when we worship? I surrender, Lord. It's you. I just give you everything. I give you myself. Are you that person who can say, Lord, I just don't understand why this is happening to me. I never wanted this. I didn't expect this, but it's happening. And I'm here before you now, and I'm just asking you to help me. And even though I can't see what is going on, and I know that you've got something better, you can work things out that I can't. please, Give me the grace and the faith to trust you with what's coming. Those are the people who walk in victory. It's not a triumphalism, it's being sure that Jesus is Lord. God is my God and nothing is impossible, and I don't know, you will, can't find that, I I don't know what's in my future, but what I do know is there is a place, you know, a spiritual place that I will get to in God's timing, where all my answers, all my questions will be answered, and all my needs will be met, and whether some of that's in this life or the next, I just don't know. And so I'm asking you today, as we approach Christmas and we think of the beauty of Christmas and the loveliness of Jesus, actually, Joseph teaches us a lot that actually we need to put everything in the hands of God. As Margaret pointed out to me, we don't know anything that Joseph said. (laughs) We don't really know what he's like. We can learn how he's like by seeing this story. And I'm asking you today, whatever you're going through, would you put it in the hands of Jesus? It's a lovely old song we used to sing in my old church: "Safe in the Arms of Jesus." Yeah. Let me tell you a story before, as I close. I read this this week. There was a lady, a young girl, Christina—not you. <laughs> she lived in Brazil. She lived in a very poor neighbourhood on the outskirts outskirts of a Brazilian village. Her father had died when she was an infant and her mother, Maria, never remarried. Times were tough. By the time Christina became old enough to get a job, she wanted to get a job and help her family. Often she would speak about going to the city. She dreamed about trading in the dusty old village for the excitement of the city. Just the thought of that, though, horrified her mother, who knew exactly what kind of work Christina would have to do in the city if she was going to survive. I'll leave that to your imagination. And that's why Maria's heart broke. That's why she couldn't believe it when one day she woke up to find that Christina's bed was empty and she had gone. Knowing where her her, her daughter had been headed, she gathered up all her money, this is Maria, the mother, and she ran out of the house. She did one thing before she jumped on a bus to Rio. She went into a chemist shop where there was a photo booth, and she used most of her money time and time again just taking black and white passport photographs of herself. On the bus, she cut them up. She had a whole wedge of little pictures of herself. And when she got to Rio, she went into as many bars, nightclubs, all the districts known for prostitution, drugs. And wherever she went, she would just write a little note on the back of this photograph and she would pin it up. She'd pin it up in the the mirror in the toilets or down at the bottom of the stairs of some boarding house or on a pub or a hotel no sport. When she'd run out of money, Maria went home to her village. Some weeks later, Christina, whose life had gone totally downhill, like the prodigal son. Her face was tired, her dreams had become a nightmare. She reached the bottom of the stairs of where she has just spent that night, And her eyes noticed a familiar face, and there she saw this little picture of her mother. And she grabbed it, and as she turned it over, it simply said, whatever you've done, and whatever you've become, it doesn't matter. Please come home. And she did. And praise God, her life is totally transformed. And I only say that because I believe that some people are looking at the mess and you're about to give up. You want to give up on life, you want to give up on yourself, you want to give up on your family and your friends, you want to give up on God. And actually God is like the Father that's looking for the horizon, around the horizon. And he just says, whatever's going on, trust me, let me help. I want to rebuild you. I know what's coming. I, there's no surprises for God. It wasn't for Joseph. Joseph didn't know what was going on. But he just trusted in Almighty God. So we'll just bow our heads and pray. Invite the group to come up, please. And I just want to say to us,